Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on the Chronicle NUFC Facebook page, Twitter and YouTube and later on our podcast channel. Before we kick off, just want to put a little bit of apology in because last week's episode, some of you may have heard what sounded like a woodpecker in the episode. Um, we have got the technical whiz kids out and we think we fixed it so hopefully this episode will go without any uh, wood percussion noises in the background we do apologize and you can just enjoy um, all the insight into Newcastle United's transfer business or what we think is to come so I'm Andrew Musgrove joined by our Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes and as usual Aaron there is plenty to talk about and we're going to start with a name that we mentioned in last week's episode and that is Tekie the young striker from League 1 Things have developed slightly. Do you want to give our listeners the latest update on the chase for the forward? Yeah, so as we know, Newcastle have been after this player for a long time. They agreed a deal with Rems in January and eventually it was the player that said no at the deal. You know, he's came out since and said that, you know, the move to Newcastle didn't really suit him at the time. He was obviously having his breakthrough season in League One and um, playing very well and he thought that a move to a relegation-threatened team in a different country probably wasn't the right fit for him at the time. Uh, what we understand now is that you know Newcastle have agreed a deal with Rems yet again, uh, slightly different than the one in January. Uh, it looks like it'll be around twenty-five million pounds up front, plus five million pound in add-ons. Told that those add-ons are add-ons are achievable. Uh, Rems, you know, have made no secret of the fact that they were, you know, a bit concerned about some of the add-ons in the January deal. For example, you know, there was going to be a big bonus if Newcastle won the Champions League, something that they felt wasn't really realistic in the next couple of years. Um, but we're told this time around they're achievable. Rems are happy with it. It's now again just up to the player whether he wants to make the move. It's a big move, like you say, for a young man. What do you think Newcastle have seen in him? Because it, it's no secret that they, they need a new striker to go alongside Callum Wilson. I would say even if they sign a techie, despite how held uh, how, how, how held he is, in, how high he is um, in certain people's um, minds, um, they're still going to need another striker after him. So what have Newcastle seen in him, do you think? Look, anybody that's watchman Francis, you know, think that he's the next big thing. You know, he's still only 19. Yeah, he's hitting, you know, double figures for a team that have just finished 12th in the in the French top flight. So clearly there's talent there. You know, he's a wide player coming off the left. He's currently away with France's under-20 team. Um, some people have compared him, you know, as the next Mbappe. How true that is, obviously, we don't know. I'm sure that there's about 10 players in France that get that sort of label whenever they had half a good season. But look, he's clearly a talented player. Um, you know, it's not just Newcastle that are after him. Dortmund have, have obviously bookmarked him as a potential Haaland replacement. PSG, like a lot of, you know, French youngsters are, are sniff around as well. So that seems to be the only real stumbling block, I think, in this is whether he wants to take the plunge and come to this side where, you know, he might not even be first choice really well that was going to be my next question how do you think the club are selling this to him because he will will not want his next move to be a, a bit part will it he'll want his next move to be the one that propels him into this superstar everyone thinks he can be so what do you think the sales pitch will be like look I think the sales pitch has probably come to us and you can have you know years and years at this football club at the ground level you know we could potentially go on and do brilliant things and you could be you know one of the main figures in that but again more realistically is he's coming in from France if he signs for us having only really had one season in the top flight of any league it's a different culture he's going to be battling Alan St Maximin for that spot in the first 11 so I think look the sales pitch will be we'll give you game time 
But as we've said, you know, with other big clubs sniffing around, it's going to be sort of up to his preference as to whether we see him here. He's there battling for the spot with Alan St. Maxman. Do you want to just give a bit of an insight into where you think he would actually play if he did indeed sign for Newcastle? Yeah, I think, look, what you've seen for Rems and what you see for, you know, France youth setup is that he's very much a player who's a winger, you know, not a, not a centre forward. Um, brilliant at sort of cutting in from the left-hand side, brilliant at taking players on and get to the byline down that left. You know, there's no doubt that he could also probably play down the right. You know, he's young enough to have that you know, improvement in his game. Um, but I, if he's walking in... I'm there. just going to interrupt you there because as luck would have it, we are live on Facebook. And let me just check that this tweet is from the official club account because we know some people do like to um, uh, change their Twitter handles, but it is. Dan Ashworth has commenced his role as Newcastle United's sporting director after the club received formal approval from the Premier League. I'm just going to open this statement and go into it. So Dan Ashworth, obviously he resigned from his role in, uh, at Brighton in February. There was fears that it could take until at least November to get him in, but it, uh, it announced earlier, well, last month, wasn't it, that he was appointed sporting director and he has now been officially approved by the Premier League. I'm just going to read the statements out. Newcastle is an incredible football club. I'm delighted to be joining at this very exciting time. Each time I've been to St. James's Park in the past, I've been reminded of the club's long history and the unrivaled passion of its fan base. It is a huge football club with great potential. I'm incredibly positive about what we can collectively achieve. I'm excited to start work immediately and look forward to being part of a team that is helping the club to grow and achieve long-term success. We knew it was going to happen. Premier League have, have uh, approved it. We said last week, it's a big, big appointment, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge appointment. And as we touched on last week in the pod, anybody that's spoken about Dan Ashworth in the past, anybody that's worked with him, whether it was at England, West Brom, Brighton, you know, the cricket sort of side of his job, everybody's had glowing reviews for him. Massively important to get, you know, the deal done. Um, as quickly as the have and before the transfer window officially opened. So, yeah, fantastic deal. Um, lots of people in the comments very, very excited. Uh, uh, a lot of people in the comments also want Newcastle to, as Jonathan says there, uh, hurry up and buy some players. We don't really think that Dan Ashworth will have that much of an impact to be on the summer transfer business because we think that the club have already had a bit of a plan together. You've had Steve Nixon there. Eddie Howe has also obviously put his input in. So do you think it'll be a case he'll come in? He might um, add his experience into the pot, but he won't necessarily be coming in to rip up the rule book as a way, or, or the plan for the summer. Yeah, I think, as we said last week, I think Newcastle have had these targets locked in for a while, especially if you look at the likes of Ekatike and Bachmann. You know, most of the legwork was probably done in January. Um, now it's just a case of, you know, going sort of overall ground with the agents that they're already well averse with. Um, lots have been made about Ashworth's role as soon as he comes in and I think it's gonna be more getting those players out. You know, we've seen reports this morning that Newcastle, you know, haven't had any offers for their um you know, sort of their current squad, which is a bit of a worry when you think that they probably need to do shift about seven six or seven. So I think Ashworth coming in, he won't probably have a say on who comes in. Um, but he will have a big say on who goes out, especially the loan deals for the youngsters. Yeah, there's an episode on our podcast channel introducing Dan Ashworth where I spoke to the Brighton reporter for Sussex Live. He provided a fantastic insight into what Ashworth did at Brighton and a big emphasis was on youth, big emphasis was on finding loan deals for, for young players like Sanchez, the goalkeeper who Newcastle have been linked to. He's now in the Spain squad. You know, He's had a, 
an amazing turnaround in his career that was partly down to Dan Ashworth. In the comments there, we've got Jason saying, Ashworth's a miracle worker, finding talent. Lamptey was 1 million, which believe he might have actually been less than 1 million and he has um, had quite the start to his Brighton career. Um, Roger Cook there, Aaron asks, do you think he'll assist and help them? Uh, yeah, assist. Uh, do you think he'll assist and help them players leave? Yeah, I think he will. I think when you look at what his role was at Brighton, you know, he had six key roles, um, the men's team, the women's team, the academy, and then sort of three off the pitch. And one of them, and one of his big sort of pushes was making sure that loan players, you know, that were coming from the academy, made sure they got the right roles, made sure that the moves that they were making were right for them, right for them progression, right for their career. Um, so I think he'll have a big say and he'll probably work alongside Shola in making sure that these youngsters that are going out on loan or, or, you know, they're picking the right club for them. Nicola on YouTube says, if he can sell Hendrick to another club, he can do anything. It was slightly harsh on Jeff Hendrick, but um, he looks like he will be out this summer. Um, we'll continue now. We'll get back, rather, to some of the links that have come over the la last week. I and mean, that was just the, the curse, in many ways, of, of a live broadcast that something would break. Um, Morata linked to Newcastle United. We said there that even if they sign a tech year, they would need to bring in another striker. Played for Chelsea, scored 16 and 47. Didn't have the best times in the Premier League. Hasn't really done it um, at Athletic or, or um, Juventus is where he spent the, the last season out on loan. Would he really be the right man for Newcastle United? I think it would be a big gamble. Look, I mean, I think a year ago you would have snapped your hand off for Morata, but I think there's probably better targets out there. Um, as you say, you know, he came to Chelsea... He didn't have the best of spells at Chelsea. He lost his confidence pretty quickly. Struggled with injuries. Lost his place in the World Cup squad as a as a result of that form. Um. So look, I think maybe this might be a case of you know players being linked because you know their agents are doing a bit of work or you know just because Newcastle got the money. But I I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that Morata link, you know, very quickly squashed. Um. Yeah, it is a bizarre one, but I guess it shows you the level where Newcastle United are, are now aiming. You know, they want. Well, you know, we think they'll be aiming for these top players with a certain pedigree. Won't be just one or two. You know, they'll be aiming to bring in quite a few players to to build that squad up and make sure that the top ten is is an achievable, uh, you know, aim. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, he's a sixty. Or he, he signed for Chelsea for sixty million. You know, he's played fifty four games for Spain. He's spent the last couple of years being bounced between Real Madrid, Juventus, Atletico, and Chelsea. You know, he's not clearly not a bad player. But I think this Italian publication that's linked with them, this linked Newcastle with them this morning, also said that Bayern Munich, Arsenal, and Barcelona were the three other clubs interested. So this just goes to show the level um, of the type of players that these new owners are going to try and attract. But it also, on the other end of the stick, sort of shows how hard it's going to be for Newcastle United to compete with these big clubs to try and get these massive players away from them. Lots of excitement in the comments. Sean Weir says, just can't wait for next season who we buy and sell, obviously, as well as seeing that the lads play. Uh, Lisa says there, we definitely need a strike of quality. We need more than just Callum Wilson. That's 100% correct. That's what we've been, we've been talking about right there. Attack here can bring can bring goals. We're gonna, we are going to talk about though, the future of Elliot Anderson. I mean, he's had a, a tremendous second, well, start of 2022 on loan of Bristol Rovers scored the goal that eventually took them up to uh, what was it League League One. Finding goals for fun in that league, he appears to be such a talent. 
Is this summer the summer that he steps up, do you think? Or do you think there will be another loan deal in the offing and his time will come in the future? I think personally it'll be another loan deal. Um, I think a lot of fans, if Elliot was to be kept on in, in and around the squad this season, I think a lot of fans would support that decision. Um, Eddie Howes obviously came out and said that he's going to give him a pre-season to sort of show what he's worth. Can he mix it with the big squad? We've got to remember, look, he's torn up League Two, but it's that standard of, you know, he's four divisions below the Premier League. Um, so I think if I was Howe, and look, I'm not trying to tell him how to do his job or anything like that, or if I was Dan Ashworth, um, I would probably be looking for a championship loan. You know, maybe like some Middlesbrough or a club like that where, you know, you're really going to get tested at a good level um, if he cuts the mustard, then I think, you know, the season going on after that, we've got a huge player on our hands. But I think, you know, recency bias, we're all, you know, itching to see him because of how well he's done yeah. at League Two. But, you know, you've got to remember that level and that standard. And it's also important, I think, as well, is that he doesn't just come back and train week in, week out, and then sit on the bench or mm -hmm. go back into the under-23s. It's really important now that that development continues, isn't it? Because if you then just, in many ways, stagnate by going back into the under-23s, and that's no disrespect to the setup or the players currently in that age level. But I think Anderson is at the point where he needs regular game time, and if it's not going to be in the Premier League with Newcastle United, it has to be at a championship level or a League One level. Yeah, definitely. And I think, look, this is where Dan Ashworth's going to help. You know, he's going to come in and look at the type of players Newcastle have got in their academy or the young players coming through, and he's going to help find them that best club. Whereas... In previous years, you know, how many times have we seen the likes of, you know, Adam Armstrong or players like that and who looked like they had a huge future, they inevitably ended up staying at Newcastle and they just sort of warmed the bench under the likes of Pardew and, and other managers. So, yeah, look, crucially gets the right move and I wouldn't be surprised if he has, you know, a month or two with the first team over the summer before they find him alone in, in sort of August time. Mm, goes away maybe with, with pre-season, mm -hmm. perhaps with a group that go over to Portugal to play to play the game over then obviously two European teams coming in in July as well at St James Park so that experience will be key will certainly be interesting to see the f what the future holds for Elliot Anderson um, one of the commenters in the comments there Mike Joyce says no way are we going to play 50 million for Ake and we were actually he is on our list to be discussed and that's where we'll go next we know Ake at Manchester City he's not first choice he impressed at Bournemouth enough for Manchester City to sign him when Bournemouth were relegated under Eddie Howe. We know Eddie Howe and Ake have got a good relationship. We know Newcastle are in the market for a centre-back. So it's very easy to put two and two together and get the four, isn't it? Do you think Ake is the kind of person that Eddie Howe would target and bring to Newcastle United? I think, look, probably yes. I think, as you've touched on there, a lot of it makes sense. He's a centre-back which Newcastle are looking for. Howe knows him very well. Everything Ake has said about Howe in the past has been very positive. He's clearly got a good relationship. He's a left-footed centre-back who can also play left-back, which is you know another plus. I think the only real the only real negative, I think, of, of the deal is the, the price tag that's being floated about. £50 million, if if that was to be the deal, it would take a huge chunk of Newcastle's wages in a position where they probably aren't looking to, you know, spend a lot of money. Um, and look, I think it's one that'll defied fans' opinion. I've seen fans saying that no way would they pay for it. I've seen others saying it would be a great deal. So there's positives, but I think in a fee like that, it's a bit of a gamble. It's a huge gamble. He is a, he is a very good centre-back, but I guess many people would think, well, actually, if, if you want to achieve success, 
50 million maybe isn't the biggest price tag to pay if it gets you to where you want to go but on the other hand we think Newcastle are going to be sensible in their approach when it comes to the transfer market and that 50 million when you look at what Aki has achieved how, how much better is he than the likes of maybe Dan Byrne or Fabian Chair or Jamal Lascelles? If you want if you want to go and spend 50 million on a central defender you need to be absolutely adamant that they are going to improve your team for the better and I think based on some of the comments we've had in this live already fans aren't convinced that he is the man and I don't think he is you know look he's done very well to get that move to Manchester City but we've seen very slowly that he couldn't really hold down a place in that team he's prone with the odd mistake so look yeah it, it would it would be a risk as we've said Paul Simmons on YouTube says Aki would be a huge backward step very overrated and not worth 50 million pounds at all quite a few people asking about Botman, he came out over the weekend, didn't he? And then kind of said what he what he wanted. And he said he needed to have a good feeling about the project, not necessarily about the, about the team, but it was he had to have a good feeling about the move overall. What did you read into those comments? And what, where do you think Newcastle stand at the moment for the chase in the defender? Yeah, I think it's been obvious for weeks that it's probably between Newcastle and AC Milan. I think we were all sort of wanting him to say a bit more on Saturday when he came out and spoke to the media. Obviously, he was quite guarded and, and cryptic in what he said. Um, but as we touched on in the podcast last week, you know, he'd be a fantastic signing. Anybody that's getting him is, you know, getting a fantastic young centre-back. Um, it all probably is boiling down to whether he wants to come and join this project. Admittedly, the mid-table club who are looking to do big things or whether he wants to go to a club that have just won, you know, Italy's top division and are going to be playing Champions League football. So, again, this is what Newcastle are up against. We've got another comment there from Jordan. He says, Botman next to Byrne would be imposing. That's in Newcastle managed to sign Botman. Do you think that would be the, the centre pairing going into next season? Um, look, I think it's tricky to dislodge Fabian Shaw if he can keep the form up of the of the last six months. But then again, we've seen that, you know, he's sort of prone to a mistake sometimes, you know. He, he sort of gets drawn into silly fouls. Then you've got Byrne, who a couple of times has had, you know, a bit of a shaky game in the last six months. So I think it would be very, very interesting to see, you know, who who comes in alongside Botman uh, or who plays alongside him because I wouldn't like to call it, to be honest. Certainly going to be interesting. And it's just nice to see Newcastle looking to sign sign good players, isn't it? And, of course, you, you've got the likes of, um, I mean, Kel Watts performed well at, at Wigan, Jamal Sells. We don't think he'll be going anywhere. So it's not just the case of Botman arrives. You know, there's there's options that Eddie Howe has got to play with then. And Jamal Sells had a, had a decent finish to the season as well. So it's certainly going to be interesting going forward. Um, looking um, in the comments as well, we've got questions about Musa Diaby. So he's a winger. He can play on either side. Uh, 13 goals, 13 assists for Bayer Leverkusen last season. Wilf have to pay a very pretty penny of Newcastle do indeed go after him. Rumoured to be around 50, 55 million pounds. Again, uh, some people would argue well, that's nothing to do with Newcastle now, but that's still a very hefty price. Uh, what do you reckon is going to happen there? I think if they can pull this Diaby deal off, it would be a bigger statement than, than Botman, to be honest, because... Look at what he's done at Leverkusen this season. 13 goals, 13 assists. He's unlike a French winger in Newcastle's side. He's you know he's in the French setup, and he's sort of well well earned his place there. Leverkusen absolutely desperate to keep him. You know their sporting director Simon Rolfs came out a couple of weeks ago and said um, they've made it clear. You know that they really don't want to sell him. 
Um, they're optimistic that he'll stay. You know, they've tied down Patrick Schick, who um, has enjoyed such a good relationship with Diaby. So, you know, they're setting their stall out that they're going to keep him. If Newcastle managed to prize him away for, you know, what it's looking like, 55 million, what a statement that is because, you know, this is a player that is going to be talked about as, you know, one of France's sort of, you know, the next generation along with Mbappe. So I think it's probably going to be the hardest deal to do this summer, um, given Leverkusen's stance, but what what a signing it would be in a huge statement. And where would that leave the likes of Fraser, Almiron, Murphy, even Alan St. Maximum to a, a degree? I think it leaves them all in his wake. I think if he comes in and then he's he's easily one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, look, Fraser's done very well, but I think we're talking about a complete you know step up here now. We're talking about a Scotland international who's in and out the team for you know a 22-year-old who is you know knocking on that France door pretty heavily. So um, it would probably leave Miggy and Murphy you know sort of struggling. Fraser would probably see his game time dramatically re- uh, reduced. Um, but as we've said many times on this podcast, this is about you know the level that Newcastle United want to go to in the next couple of years. Um, and as I said, you know what a statement of intent it would be going forward. Plenty of people asking about financial fair play. I'm looking over to you, Alan. Do you want to have a, a good answer to a few of them questions? It, it, it's a difficult one unless you are a mathematician and, and know the rules inside out, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tricky one, but I think you know the club have came out and said that they're not going to spend a huge amount of money. You know, They're going to make sure that they don't fall into the trap of an Everton or you know, some of these teams that you know spend beyond their means. Um, Howe was very sort of conclusive in that towards the end of the season that he doesn't expect there to be a huge overhaul. Um, and I think, you know, it's so easy for us to get sucked into these rumours of, you know, Lucas Paqueta and Diaby and Botman and Maratta are all going to come. Instantly, that's 250 million, you know, expectations need to be tempered a little bit. Um, and I honestly don't think we'll see this, you know, Man City-esque spending spree in the first summer. I think it'll be four or five new additions, along with a lot of players shipped out if, if they can, um, to make sure that the books are balanced. A lot of people have been asking about those players who need to be shipped out. If you're watching this live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, why don't you pop into the comments who you think will be first, second, third out the door this summer at Newcastle United, and then we'll get back to those uh, recommendations in a moment. Do you think that what this summer is going to require for Newcastle United is that first signing? So if a tech AC is Botman coming to Newcastle, then that might make his mind up, or vice versa. It's going to take one domino to fall and the rest will follow. Yeah, 100%. I think we saw that in, in January to an extent. You know, everyone praised Trippier for making that leap um, and, you know, snubbing other English teams and, you know, leaving quite a cushy setup at Atletico. If Ekatike joins, or let's say Botman joins first, and Ekatike is looking at it and thinking, you know, they are building something, they are serious about what they're doing, it's only going to attract better players. And I think even the likes of having Bruno in and Trippier in is going to say to these big players that are maybe you know, settled at Leverkusen, settled at Atletico, settled at Lille, you know, to make that sort of, make that jump and take the risk to come to England. Some people would say, well, if the offer is on the table and you're having to wait to see well signs, then your heart mustn't be in it. Are you the right player for Newcastle? But when you are a young player like Atechie when or Botman, I mean, this is kind of Botman's first big move, isn't it? So this has to be the right decision. It's not just as simple as saying, well, look, here's a, an offer from Newcastle United. You should just, and accept it it's very easy for us to sit here and people in the comments saying that because 
for most of us, that's probably our boyhood dream. But for these guys, it's not as simple as that. For the likes of Sven Botman, right? He's 22. He's having his big first move as a World Cup in December or November. And he's got to try and beat the likes of Van Dyke and De Ligt to a starting place. Does he think, well, you know, I'm going to go to Newcastle and I'm going to, yes, I'm going to be playing every week, but it's going to be a team mid table? Or do I think, look, I go to AC Milan, I'm playing every week and we're in the Champions League and I'm in the public eye and I'm, and I'm you know, sort of knocking on that door? And it's going to be the same for other players. Ekatike, you know, yes, he's a bit younger. Um, he's not in the French first squad yet, but Diaby is. And again, you know, we've got to remember that every time there's a World Cup, six months before, players are thinking about their future and, you know, what's going to suit them best for making sure that they're on the plane. I asked you guys to put into the comments who you think will leave Newcastle. We've got a lot of people saying Dwight Gale. We've got Genezeb uh, saying Clark, Fernandez, Hayden and Darlow could be the first round of players to go. A lot of those have been the foundation out there for many years, Aaron. You know, some great servants there in the in listed here in the comments. Um It'll be a shame to see them go, but I guess that's when Newcastle United are now. And those players who do leave this summer can can go with their held their head held high, that they were part of this first group that kept Newcastle in the Premier League and led them to this point where it is a big turnaround, it is a big clear out, but it's for all the right reasons. Yeah, I don't think any of them will leave on in sort of under a bad cloud. You know, even the likes of Kieran Clark, who's probably fallen out of favour and maybe lost a bit of that. You know, reputation among Newcastle fans. You got to remember, he came in for five million, helped the club get back up, and you know, has played sort of a, a squad player role in the next three seasons. So even players like that, I think, Jeff Hendrick to an extent, even players, even though fans sorry want to see him gone, I think you know he's came on on a free, and uh, a team that was struggling, and for a time he was in and around the first team. So I think there'll be you know a lot of players going that are you know have that sentimental sort of value. Um, but as we've touched on previously, this is just you know the levels that Newcastle want to get to now. Hmm. Now, a couple of people mentioned there, Jamal Lewis. We're going to talk about Aaron Hickey, who is the Bologna fullback and play at left back or right back. Of course, Matt Target did really well at Newcastle. It doesn't look like he's going to arrive, or at least not anytime soon. We have got Jonathan there saying, well, Jamal Lewis might stay. And I guess if you already have, are you looking at Jamal Lewis and think, well, he's just had it? An unfortunate time. The last manager didn't quite fancy him. He then picked up quite a bad injury. He's clearly got talent. I mean, Liverpool wanted him. You know, they don't just go after anyone. They they rarely make any mistakes in the transfer market. So he's clearly got something about him. Do you look at him and think, well, actually, why can't he be a number one left back? Yeah, I mean, look, will he be the number one left back going forward? I don't know, but I think Eddie Howe certainly willing to give him a try. Um, Any time Eddie Howe was asked about him in the last six months. Um, when he wasn't in the 25-man squad. You know, he's very positive about him. And I think he'll be another one that gets a pre-season to show whether or not he's overcame this injury. Keeping him in the squad obviously means that, you know, there isn't that sort of need to go out and sign a massive left-back. They probably will obviously strengthen, whether that'll be target or Lodi or, or another target we're yet to see. But I think they'll give him a chance. And as you say, Liverpool wanted him. He's fantastic at Norwich. Newcastle thought they had a real steal on their hands. Um, when they signed him from Norwich. It's just been unfortunate that either he hasn't been given the game time or he struggled with injuries. Mm. But then I guess if you're Jamal Lewis and you're looking at the likes of Joe Linton or Emil Kraft and you're thinking, or Fabian Cher, you're thinking, wow, this manager has actually managed to turn them around from potential flops where 
a large portion of Newcastle fans were getting on the back, certainly of Joe Linton and Kraft, and some of it was totally um, acceptable in terms of you know saying, well, they haven't lived up the price tag, they're maybe not performing as well as we expected. Um, but now you look at them, I mean, for me, Emil Kraft stays this summer, he backs up Kieran Trippier. Joe Linton, as we've mentioned on previous episodes, for me is probably second or third on that start 11 team list. That's got to give you hope about Jamal Lewis, surely. Yeah, it's got to give you hope that Howers, you know, this miracle worker that can turn you around. But I think on the flip side, you know, Lewis isn't just leaving a... Let's just say the takeover hadn't happened and Lewis was being linked with an exit. He's probably thinking, look, I'm going to leave this mid-table team and I'm going to go to another mid-table team and I can show what I can do. Now, he's got the incentive of saying, I'm going to graft for my place and show that I can be a part of this team who are the richest club in the world, have ambitions to reach Europe... If he can make it work and find that form that he showed at Norwich, then you know he's he's definitely going to stay. So good luck to him, but I definitely think Howe will give him a chance for, from what he's been saying in, in the last couple of months. We'll get back to the show in just a quick moment, but please, to, please remember to follow and like the podcast through your podcast provider. It's totally free to do. just means with every new episode we upload, you will get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to. And if you get the chance, please leave us a rating and review. This really is the key bit because if you leave us a rating and review, it helps promote the podcast to a much wider audience. We're so close to 200 reviews, which doesn't sound a lot, but in the world of podcasting, it is actually quite a big number. So if you could help us get over the line of 200 ratings and reviews, we would really appreciate it. It just helps to get out to a much bigger audience. And we love hearing your feedback too. We are very, very grateful for you sticking with us to listening to every episode we do. Long may it continue. Thank you once again. Let's get back to the show. Huge list here from uh, Victor who says, you'd like to see Wood, Clark, Fernandez, Menkeo. Uh, I'm assuming that is Matty Longstaff, Isaac Hayden, Hendrick, Murphy, Gale, Darlow, Lewis, Almiron and Lascelles and Shelby all head out this summer. I don't think It'll, well, actually, looking at them names, maybe half. Would you say? Mm, I think I think that's optimistic. I think all of them go. I think let's go through them. I think Chris Wood stays. Kieran Clark will go. go Fernandez go. Mankio. I'm not too sure. I like Mankio, but I think Kraft's ahead of him now, yeah. and I think they might look to, to to move him on. Matty Longstaff. I, I I would love it to work out for Matty Longstaff, but with his brother now signing a new deal. You understand that Newcastle are probably going to go after another central midfielder and then, you know, the options ahead of him. Has his time passed in Newcastle, do you think? I can see him getting a loan this summer. A loan, another, another Another spell out. Hayden looks like he's going to go um, from his sort of social media post. Hendrick has said out the weekend that he's probably played his last game. I think Murphy will I stay. I think Murphy stays. Decent I think squad player. Gale goes. I think Darlow goes. Lewis stays. Almiron stays. We've got it down on the list, haven't we? Because he's been linked with a return to Nottingham Forest, and it's interesting because when you speak to Lascelles, you know he's it's it's really the first time he's found himself out of the team, and he said, "Look, uh, you know, I just get on with it. It's important that the team's winning. You know, he hasn't kicked up a fuss. He's leading off the pitch, even if he's not getting on the pitch, which is a sign of a really good captain." But, I mean, the chance to go back to Forest to, to be in there, maybe they're, they're starting 11, leading them back into the Premier League, that would be a big draw, wouldn't it? I feel like it's like the perfect deal for both parties. If you're Jamal Lascelles, yes, look, you leave Newcastle, which is obviously going to be a shame, but you're getting Premier League football at a club that you've got a massive history with, you're loved there, 
you know, you could be a starting player in, you know, Forest's first Premier League season in 20 years. It's a good deal for Newcastle because it gets him off the books. Um, and obviously, it looks like he's going to be down the pecking order anyway. Yes, they would lose a, a dressing room leader, but I think on the pitch, you know, his time's probably been and gone at Newcastle. I think it's probably best days are behind him. Um, so I think for me, it's a deal that looks like it could work for both parties. I think it'd be very interesting. Depends how much he wants to play first team football. Yeah. That's what it comes. That's what a lot of that comes down to as well. Do you want to go along on the journey in Newcastle United and be part of whatever's to come, or you know, do you want to go out and play first team football where you have got a bit more of a chance of actually holding down a place? Um, and Shelby was the last one on that list. Always someone that just divides opinion. You know, um, for me, I think he stays. I think he does stay, but I'm yeah. not sure at first team. Mm. If you think, yeah, Jolin and Bruno, and then Willick, Longstaff, Shelby, and then a potentially one more. Mm. Does does someone come in for an offer of them though? Does the likes of Forrest or Fulham come in and say we'll give you ten million for him? Be interesting. Be interesting it? to see what the club would do because in that situation. He did. He did step up, but whereas I think previously, when maybe under Steve Bruce, when uh, he he missed out through injury even if he hadn't been playing well in pr- the previous games leading up to that injury, I always felt there was a noticeable loss when he wasn't in the team. Yeah. Whereas towards the end of last season, and it helps Newcastle on a great run of form, I didn't really feel it. I didn't really, you didn't really look around and go, oh, John Joe Shelby's not playing. Mm. I think that is key. They get another midfielder in, you go, okay, he's not going to get ahead of Bruno. Joe Linton will most likely start those first few games and if he continues in the way he finished then he's not going to get kicked out and then you look at potentially a new arrival or Sean Longstaff who finished the season really strongly it's a, it, it's a positive dilemma but it's a very, in, yeah, it's a it's very a, interesting one it's isn't a it? good headache to have um, what I would say on Shelby is that it's been a couple of times in the last couple of years where it looks like he's down and out and his time's come to an end and he always just seems to pull it out the bag when it most matters so I think I don't think he'll be under any pressure this summer I think I think when you look at the type of players that the club are probably going to offload, I don't particularly think Shelby would be one of them. Especially not one of the first names on the list anyway. It depends who comes in, I suppose. And someone um, has said they would get rid of Alan St. Maxwell. I think it was Jay. Sorry, the comments just popped off the screen there. But um, Alan St. Maxwell, again, he's another one that splits opinion and um, he wasn't in the list that we were out originally there. Uh, I think he'll stay unless there's a massive bid coming in. But as we've said on previous episodes, it's a big, big season for him, isn't it? Big season, yeah. Um, we you know, we've, we have touched on previous podcasts that it's sort of make or break because he's got all this potential and people are saying, yes, he looks good in a bad team. He's got to show that he can raise his level um, as better players come in. You know, look, there's all this talk about Tottenham who have just signed Ivan Parasic, you know. Conte, who loves playing with wing-backs rather than attacking midfielders on the wing. So... Is it a move that fits for that type of money? I don't think so. Um, so I think if you ask me, I think he'd be staying. Mm. Um, and just briefly, um, on another player linked to Newcastle, Aaron Hickey, Bologna, 19-year-old, can play both uh, right-back, left-back. Look, he's he's done very well over in Sarrier. He is clearly a man with a lot of talent. But at 19, can you really see him coming in to be the man who takes what was Matty Target's spot? Towards no, he, last he's, he's still very raw look he's had a good season with Bologna and very highly thought of you know he's another one that's linked with Arsenal it feels like all of our players that we want <laughs> Arsenal want them too which I suppose is a, is a positive and shows where the club are going but still very raw you know could you imagine a 19 year old coming in and taking that 
spot from the off. I'm not so sure. But there is the like I, this argument always kind of gets to me. It's like he's only like 19, and then you look around. Elliot Anderson's only what 19, and it was said when Matty Longstaff first broke through, but it didn't stop Wayne Rooney. You know what I mean? And I know Wayne Rooney is a is a, is a very very uh, outlier, big example, yeah. isn't he? He's an outlier because he had such talent. But you know, if you're if you're good enough, then surely it doesn't matter if you're 16, 17, or, or 25. You're good enough to play. And I think that's the only way you can start to develop is by you know what, chuck them in, chuck them in, and see what happens. Yeah, and look, Aaron Hickey, from what everyone says, is a fantastic player. You know, he's very highly thought of um, within the sort of Scotland ranks. There was a bit of surprise when he left for Bologna because. There were some big names chasing him um, when he left Scotland. So I don't have any doubt that he would be a fantastic signing. It's just whether he can... Is he good enough to take that step up and play week in, week out at a Premier League club at left-back? You know, when you've got the likes of Lodi or Matty Target being linked, at, you know, it, time will tell, I suppose. be a good opportunity just to remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast on your podcast provider and leave us a rating review as well. It's much appreciated. Um, Aaron, just talk us through your three parties for the summer in terms of signings and the positions I think they need a striker um, and I don't mean you know Ekatiki I think if Ekatiki comes in fantastic but I think he's probably more as a winger and not a number nine I think for as good as Callum Wilson was last season and I would love Callum Wilson to have a run of games and, and be as good as he was in the last couple I just think there's too many doubts about his fitness so I think a striker's needed I would love to see a Botman and if not Botman another quality young centre-back who raises that level maybe above Shaw and Byrne come in and then third I think you probably are looking at, at a left-back I think if we go into this season with just Dummett and Lewis then you may be thinking it's an area to to progress so I think Target or Lodi would be would be another one really and you're going to have a, a story up on our website chroniclive.co.uk later today and um, if you're listening to this um, after five o'clock on the 6th of june it'll already be up there so do head over and and uh, give it a, a read but it's all about how the the change of approach at newcastle is is starting to to kick off so to speak and that's in terms of signing players a lot quicker in the window than mike ashley's newcastle United did previously just how important do you think that is for newcastle's preparation going into the new season to get these players in as soon as possible yeah huge and look this is what eddie howes wanted to do not just with transfers but with everything with the training ground changes with the pre-season tour with everything he wants it done soon so that they've got as much time to prepare for the new season you know the piece that i'm going to write is obviously you know how we went years and years you know 14 years under mike ashley and there was always sort of a um you know, we were getting to deadline day. I don't remember last August, you know, are we going to sign Hamza Chowdhury and stuff like that? I think the business will be done well before that. You know, you look at the links, the likes of Ekatike and, and Botman, if they do decide to come, I think they'll be wrapped up early. Um, you know, you do forget that the transfer window isn't even open yet. You know, we obviously are talking about transfers, but it's still another four days till it opens. So, but yeah, I think the business will be done, you know, well well before time, um, which is refreshing after how many years. And actually, we, we sort of left it late. Oh, certainly plenty to look forward to. It's going to be an exciting summer and we will be with you along on the journey every step of the way. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much for watching. If you're listening later on the podcast, thank you very much for tuning in. Do head over to chroniclelive.co.uk. There is um, in the comments there a survey on Dan Ashworth's priorities. Give that um, a fill out and I'll also pop into the podcast notes and into the comments here 
the uh, podcast episode on Dan Ashworth. Give that a listen because if you're not already excited about Dan Ashworth's arrival, once you listen to that, I guarantee you most certainly will be. Thank you very much for watching. Enjoy the rest of your week.